You're at the right place at the right time. You found the number one podcast that entertains the space between your ears. It's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I hope you enjoy the show. If you're like me, you're going to laugh a lot. We invite you to pull up a chair. Relax and get ready to take a trip to the vacation kingdom of the world. So, grab your magic bands and your Mickey ears. Here we go! Because it's time for another episode of the Mousecapades Podcast. It means no worries for the rest of your days. Now put another inside. A third. And a fourth. No pencil is sharp enough to draw as fine as you can think. And no paper large enough to hold your imagination. In fact, it is only in the mind that we can conceive infinity. Mathematical thinking has opened the doors to the exciting adventures of science. I'm the door door. I've never seen so many doors before. Each discovery leads to many others. An endless chain. What's the matter with these doors? These doors won't open. They're locked. Of course they are locked. These are the doors of the future. And the key is... Mathematics. Right. Mathematics. The boundless treasures of science are locked behind those doors. In time, they will be opened by the curious and inquiring minds of future generations. In the words of Galileo, mathematics is the alphabet with which God has written the universe. We are back to school with a former Imagineer, He's an award-winning writer and video producer and a former Walt Disney Imagineer where he helps create the magic for virtually all of Disney's theme parks. He has produced work for Virgin Atlantic Airways, Anheuser-Busch theme parks, the Orlando Shakespeare Festival, and the Miami Dolphins. As a passionate educator, he is a professor at Strayer University and has served on multiple faculties. Some of these might sound very familiar to you, like Full Sail University, International Academy of Design and Technology, and University of Central Florida. Our guest is also an accomplished speaker, where he has delivered many keynote addresses at Temple University, among others. Developing innovative approaches to education is a very special talent this guest is known for. Little ones, ages 3 to 33, if you want to work for the mouse someday, when you get a little older, well, you better find that volume button and turn it up. I want to extend a very warm welcome to Brian Collins. Hey, Brian, my friend, welcome to the show. Man, that guy who you're having on sounds like really impressive. I can't wait to meet him. <laughs> We're not worthy, buddy. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Very, very glad to be here. Well, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah, we're glad you're on the show. Um, I have to ask you one question right off the bat. Sure. I've been following you on Periscope, um, and I'm sure Uh-oh. a lot of our listening audiences, our audience has been following you as yeah. well. But there was a scope that you put out, I don't know, maybe a month ago, and you had a very special pipe. Yeah, yeah, that was past the cast one night, yeah. Can you can you tell us about it? 
Uh, about the pipe? Yeah. Um, sure. Okay, so that pipe. Um, I was really just using it as a pipe, as a prop, but the pipe is actually a um, really cool, it's a Meerschaum pipe, which is, um, if you're not familiar with Meerschaum pipes, they're those white uh, pipes that are hand-carved with these intricate designs. And that pipe actually belonged to my dad. And uh, um, my dad used to be a big pipe smoker. As a matter of fact, some of my earliest memories of going to Disney World as a kid were being in the back seat of uh, the family car with my dad smoking his pipe and, like, my brother and I just, like, you know, gagging and, like, Dad, roll the windows down. So uh, he, he was a big pipe smoker, and that was one of his pipes. Um, dad is still around. He, he's 85. He'll be 85, actually, next week. Um, but, yeah, I stole that pipe from him because it's just a really cool-looking prop. Yeah, that's crazy. Then, I had a bet going with Nick. Maybe it was the pipe from National Treasure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. No. But, but I'll tell you another so, – so I'll tell you another real funny kind of pipe story. Um, you know, like I said, my dad was a big pipe smoker, and one of the uh, projects I worked on at WDI many years ago was when they were redesigning the uh, – the queue area for the uh, Jungle Cruise. And I remember the show set designer came around the office and was like, do any of you guys have any like really cool props that maybe we could take and we could stick in the uh, queue area? We're going to make it look like this Adventures Outpost. So I actually uh, went home and I called my dad and I said, hey, dad, you still have some of those really cool old pipes from when you used to smoke and, and he sent me up about a half dozen like really cool looking old pipes and I turned them over to the set designer and somewhere in the queue there should be a collection of his pipes um, tucked away somewhere. So, um, yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool to just yeah. think that you've left that piece of history behind with, with, uh, yeah. with the crew. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of fun. <laughs> That's awesome. So you're not a cool Imagineer unless you have a cool pipe. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, now that I've got teenage kids of my own, you know, how cool can you be, right? Well, you know what I thought of? As soon as I saw that pipe, I'm like, well, this is interesting. You know, I, this isn't like him. It reminded me of Gandalf from uh, Lord of the yeah. Rings. <laughs> you know, I was just trying to do something really kind of goofy yep. and different. And, um, you know, I, so I put on this smoking jacket and the ascot tie and had the pipe going and I saw the awesome. ascot. That was great. Good touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just goofing, you know. Oh, it was awesome. Fun, so. It yeah, was awesome. <laughs> Most of my periscopes aren't like that, but. No, <laughs> no, but it was great. <laughs> yeah, switch it, it up. Switch it, was, it up yeah. every once in a while. It was different. Yeah. It was great. Hey, yeah, Brian, thanks. you mentioned one of your early childhood memories, uh, going to the parks with your dad. What age did yeah. you really decide for a fact that you wanted to be an Imagineer? Oh, Lord. Well, you know, I mean, the first time I went to um, Walt Disney World was in 1972, so I'm kind of aging myself already. Um, and, you know, I mean, what kid doesn't walk down Main Street, USA and get a glimpse of the capsule, uh, the capsule, the castle and uh, look around and, and just kind of think, wow, wouldn't it be cool to be one of the people that thinks up all this neat stuff and um I, I mean i definitely remember having those thoughts as a young kid didn't know what imagineers were uh at that time and you know i i always 
grew up going to Disney World, and every time I went there, I always thought, wouldn't it be cool to be one of the people that kind of creates this stuff? And, you know, it, it just kind of was crazy how after I graduated college and, um, you know, went off and got my first job and uh, eventually moved to Orlando to go to work for Disney. And, um, man, never thought in a million years I'd actually have a shot to get into WDI. And, you know, the stars lined up and um, I got very lucky and, you know, things worked out. So, well, back then, was, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go on. It was just a very cool journey. So, well, back then, you probably didn't even know what Imagineer was, uh, maybe not the no. title, but uh, I'm sure your schooling played a huge role with you yeah. eventually becoming an Imagineer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the one thing that I've always been has been very curious. Even when I was in school, I, w- I always loved to write. Um, and I always loved to learn about a lot of different things. I always had like very broad, diverse interests. And as I got older and got into junior high and then high school, you know, I, I um, got involved with uh, music and um, the arts and um, I liked history and, you know, traveled around a little bit as a kid. So I always had just really diverse interests. I always liked to write and went off to school and got my major uh, in school was in advertising. And I always thought I was going to be an advertising copywriter. And when I got out of school, my very first job actually was working as a writer, but as a uh, script writer for a video production company in Miami. And I didn't know a thing about video production, but I was always just a really good writer and just enjoyed it. And eventually, um, our company's, uh, again, I'm going to kind of age myself here, but our company's biggest client at the time was Eastern Airlines, if you remember them. Nice. And, yep. And my, my job was to write and produce the um, in-flight entertainment program for Eastern Airlines. Official airline of Disney World, right? Yeah, at the time, yeah, sure. Um, (laughs) If you had wings, right? Yep, yep. (laughs) So so I I was doing that for about a year out of school, and Eastern Airlines eventually went belly up. And for the first time in my young career, I was out of a job. And, you know, again, always wanted to work for Disney. My brother was living in Orlando at the time, so I moved up here, uh, camped out on his couch, uh, went out to the um, – they didn't have a casting center back then. Back then, it was a trailer uh, that was behind the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, it was, it's, it's amazing uh, when I think back about it. Um, but got a job, and I thought that, you know, here I was coming up with a full year of professional experience as a producer – in Miami, so so I thought for sure they were going to have this big office just overlooking the Magic Kingdom waiting for me to move right. into. <laughs> and uh, so the next week, I found myself checking guests into the Contemporary Resort. Yeah, with <laughs> the second best, right? <laughs> right. I right. take it. So, <laughs> so 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 that's how I started my Disney career was at the uh, front desk of the uh, the uh, Contemporary Resort. 
Um, but the timing was was right, and it was right when the studios were getting ready to open, and through a long series of events, um, you know, I started working at the studios as a production assistant, then started uh, doing some work for some marketing projects and uh, writing for the company Paper Eyes and Ears and producing some little videos, uh, corporate videos, and all of that work kind of led me to uh, Imagineering, uh, where I uh, met one of the creative directors uh, who had an office on the back lot of the studios, and he offered me kind of like a little test project, and I guess he liked it, and he asked me to come back and do another one, and that's kind of how I got my foot in the door with Imagineering, and the rest is history, as they say. What a cool story. Uh, you talked about how you have a wide variety of interests you know, when you were little. Nick and I both yeah. being teachers. Yeah. I have a daughter who's 11 years old who aspires yeah. to be an Imagineer. Um, yeah. and, and one of my passions about teaching is, is STEM recently changed into STEAM, science, technology, engineering, and math. Right. What do you have to say to people like my daughter who, who want to follow that path that you took and, uh, and as far as their schooling and, and what they can do with that? You know, um, that is a great question. And what I would tell you is that I think a lot of kids, especially her age, because I've got three kids myself, you know, okay. um, they're now uh, my youngest is, is a sophomore in high school. Uh, my old, my middle one's a, a senior in high school and my oldest is in college now. Um, I, I think, you know, from what I would say is that a lot of kids who are taking those kinds is that okay? I'm sorry no was, was that you Dave? That? yeah that was my fault I'm sorry I'm sorry <laughs> shame on you Dave <laughs> go ahead Brian go ahead okay so I, I would say that I think one of the biggest challenges for kids when they're in school is finding relevance to what they're studying. How, you know, trying to figure out how math, you know, whether it's algebra or calculus or geometry is going to be relevant to them or how English is going, might be relevant to them or history, you know, how's that going to be relevant to them? When I look back, um, to my days in school and how all of that stuff helped me as an Imagineer. You know, it's kind of hard to connect the dots looking forward. Steve Jobs, I think, was famous for saying that you can only connect the dots looking backwards. So looking backwards, um, I used all of that stuff when I was in Imagineering. Even though I was a show writer, um, I still used math. I still used physics. And I'll give you guys a couple examples of how Imagineers use that stuff. I mean, in my case, yeah, I was a writer, but there are a lot of different kinds of Imagineers. So the first thing I would say is find your passion, find what you love to do and focus on that. So right. if you love um, and enjoy math um, or, you know, the sciences like chemistry or my, my Middle son loves physics. I mean, that's he wants to major in chemistry when he goes out to school. And I'm still trying to figure out where he gets that from because <laughs> I was a writer. Yeah. You know, but but he loves chemistry. That's his passion. 
So find what you love to do and just be good at it. Um, now, when you make it into, if you want to make it into Imagineering, the one thing that they're going to look for is A, that you are very good at what you do, but also that you can bring something different to your field. Um, like I was saying, there are all different kinds of Imagineers. So um, if you like physics, then maybe you could major in engineering and design the roller coasters and the rides and the attractions. Um, you know, Imagineers do really amazing stuff with the technology these days. Um, I have a friend of mine who's an engineer actually at, at Disney. And I remember he took me behind the scenes of Expedition Everest and he was showing me the ride system and that coaster actually works on a magnetic levitation system. So yeah. the ride vehicles, um, they're actually, if you will, kind of floating above the track um, using magnetic uh, forces to do that and, and to propel the coasters. I mean, you've got to understand physics, you know, to... to be able to design that kind of crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, in my case, I was a writer. So, you know, for me to be able to um, understand how to write in a lot of different styles was important. I had to be able to write technical material. I had to be able to write creative material. I had to be able to write poetry. I had to be able to write historical stuff. Um, and not only that, but as a writer, as a show writer for Disney, a lot of times I was called upon to just write about a very diverse uh, um, array of subjects. So, for example, if I had to write copy for maybe one of the World Showcase pavilions in Epcot, it was important for me to understand maybe, or, or if I didn't understand it, at least go out and learn about, say, like Japanese culture or French architecture or German, um, you know, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, was <out> of <laughs> <and> I blew it. <laughs> so, you, so you have to have a specific, like what you're saying, a trade craft, as I say, in the, like the CIA, you got to develop your trade craft. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good way to put it. Um, and you know, again, you know, when you're in school, I think it's just important to kind of soak it all in and you know especially for younger kids if there are younger kids out there listening don't really worry so much you know if you don't know exactly what you want to do with all that information eventually it's going to kind of reveal itself to you and, and you know fig figure that stuff out but you know just be curious and, and enjoy the process of, of learning because you never know how that's going to come back to help you out. Right. And um, I think that's why it's so important that they added that E to STEM to make that yeah. STEAM because there's so many kids out there that they want to get into, you know, a field that's got science to, and especially technology, but their strength is art. So I, I like that, you know, I teach a summer camp that's a STEAM camp and we can pull some yeah. of those kids in and we can pull their strengths along with maybe some of those other kids' strengths together and together they make a team that's so much stronger. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I remember like one of the projects I had, again, you know, my job was as a show writer, as a script writer, you know, so, so most of the time I was writing bad jokes for the attractions and <laughs> spiels and stuff. But at one point, for example, they asked me 
Um, actually, a couple times. It, it wasn't uncommon for me to work with the show set designers. And one project in particular I remember was um, we were creating a bunch of um, cutouts of the different Disney characters. Um, and they were being cut out of steel. And then the characters were being painted onto the face of the steel cutouts. And then those were being mounted onto the back of the um, animation building. And, you know, it was really interesting because I found myself working with the animators. And one of the things that we had to do was translate the colors that they use for the ink um, to PMS colors that they use for paint, for uh, painting on the uh, um, signs and, and painting on the steel. Um, there are two different color systems, you know, between the ink and, and the PMS colors. Right. Um, so, you know, just you never know where you're going to be tapping into for different kinds of information. Um, uh, you know, I certainly wasn't an artist. I'm, I'm still, um, you know, relying on stick figures for the most part. <laughs> but. You know, for that project, I found myself having to read blueprints and, um, you know, work with the animators to understand the color palettes and um, work with the central shops and the machine shops to make sure that the steel was cut to spec. Um, so it was all kinds of stuff that was really kind of outside my traditional area of expertise. But if I hadn't, um, I like to think... If if I hadn't paid attention, you know, in those classes when I was younger, I wouldn't have had the base information to be able to pull off a project like that. So, Right. I'm so glad you just said that because Nick and I spent three-fourths of our day talking about how what we are teaching the kids, you know, in third and fourth grade, it just build. it's just the foundation for what they're going to build in whatever they choose to do. Yeah. 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 Now, you know, well said, by the way. I, w I hope there are a lot of parents listening to this episode, you guys, because, Brian, we get it all the time. These parents uh, contact us via email or through, you know, a texting app or, or even in person. You know, why are you teaching my kid such complex algorithms yeah. and things like that? When are they ever going to learn this later on in life or, excuse me, utilize this later on in life? And you try to explain to them. And here's an example. You know, you just never know. Well, let me tell you something. I mean, as Imagineering is evolving now, the technologies are that 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 they've got to work with are just amazing. Um, I mean, I remember hearing stories when um, the Haunted Mansion, for example, was and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, when those attractions were first being designed and conceptualized, they would set up um, scale models of them and uh, of the different scenes. And they would actually sit Walt Disney in a office chair and they would kind of push him through the scenes to give him a sense of the perspective and, you know, to turn the uh, chair in the direction that like the uh, doom buggies would turn. And, and that's kind of how they mocked it up. Nowadays, if you're an Imagineer, you're not going to be doing that anymore. You've got virtual reality that you're working with. You've got, you know, really complex um, visual softwares and modeling softwares that you can use and if kids don't you know learn the basics um you know and, and that starts with what you guys are teaching them in grade school you know as they progress into junior high and high school um 
you know, they're going to miss out on a lot of wonderful opportunities. Um, to be an Imagineer these days, I think, probably takes a lot more technical skill and savvy than probably ever has at, at any time. Um, theme park design is a wonderful, amazing career, but, you know, you got to have the chops for it. It's not... It's not as easy as it it would seem, and that goes for people who want to be writers or, you know, graphic designers or anything else. I mean, it's it's really a sophisticated sophisticated um, career, and especially when you get to the level of being in WDI. I mean, it's really, you know, you, you've got got to be at the top of your game. So as things change up. For instance, with your career, did you have the opportunity, did the WDI give you the opportunity to further yourself and get more training on how technologies evolve? I know, you know, it may not have been as advanced back when you worked for them, but, but now I'm thinking that things change so quickly that I'm wondering if they're constantly training their employees. You know, um, we always had the opportunity to, yeah, absolutely, to go out and to attend trade shows and conferences and, industry meetings and things like that. Um, I'll tell you one of the things though that to me was, was probably one of the biggest influences in learning how to be an Imagineer was the fact that the old guard, um, and a lot of them were still around when, when I was at WDI, they would come and visit us and they would talk to us and they would tell us you know, how they did it. And, and that was just priceless. I mean, having the chance to talk to Mark Davis himself or John Hinch or Raleigh Crump, you know, wow. th- these are guys who were around Legends. when Walt was doing mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And, and they were the original, you know, Imagineers who created this stuff. Right. Um, and being able to kind of have that legacy passed on, uh, is, is I think a very important part of, being in WDI and that still happens to this day. Um, awesome. You know, you get, uh, yeah, you, you know, you get the older guys are, are just so, um, generous and giving when it comes to working with the younger Imagineers. So, Very but, cool. but yeah, so, so I would say, um, to answer your question, I, I think it's a mix of getting that historical kind of feedback. But yeah, they absolutely do give you the opportunity to better yourself and, you know, um, just to play an experiment as well, you know, and try different yeah. things. Yeah, just, yeah. To, just to prove that you never stop learning, right? Exactly. No, you never do. So, Brian, for those kiddos that are listening to our podcast that really aren't interested in school or any subject for, for that matter, how did you apply your knowledge in your personal career? in Imagineering the Parks? Um, you know, again, I, I think there are just a lot of different ways. I'll, I'll give you another example. Um, you know, like one area that I never would have really thought, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, answer that in terms of how, how I may have connected the dots from when I was in grade, grade school or even in college to when I got into Imagineering. Um, one of the projects I had was uh, working on the great movie ride and um, tweaking some of the scripting and, and some of the um, scenes w- within that attraction. 
And in order to be able to do that, I had to really kind of go back and pull on my um, knowledge of uh, movie history, um, which is, you know, part of humanities, studying humanities. Um, when I was, again, uh, you know, going over to Epcot, understanding the architecture in the Italian pavilion, you know, the Doge's Palace in the Venetian, um, you know, uh, style architecture, uh, all that kind of stuff. And um, so I, I think there were, I, I think I just like constantly was finding myself tapping into um, stuff that I thought I had like long forgot and, and certainly never thought I would need. You know, I mean, <laughs> trust me, you know, if you're a high school kid, um, studying Venetian architecture, it's probably one, gonna be one of the most boring things, or you're studying, you know, <laughs> really, I mean, or if you're studying, you know, the German, um, aristocrats, you know, things of that nature. I mean, you know, who, who thinks they're ever gonna use that? Well, guess what? As an Imagineer, um, I had to kind of go back and tap into that, or, you know, the history of silent movies or gangster movies, you know, I mean, whoever thinks they're going to use that kind of stuff, but sure enough, there I was, you know, kind of pulling on that kind of information. So, what part of the great movie ride, Brian, did you tweak? Um, the script. Most of my work, yeah, most of my work was done in the. So, spoiler alert here, but when you go on the great movie ride, depending on which car you're in. That car is either going to be hijacked by a gangster or by a Western bandit. Um, and I spent a lot of time with a couple other guys, um, kind of, uh, tweaking the, the blocking and the, uh, theatrics, uh, within those scenes. Um, and then also a, a little bit of the scripting throughout the attraction too, which now that it's, um, been updated with Robert Osborne uh, from Turner Movie Classics, I believe. Mm -hmm. So I, I I don't know how much of my script is still left. Um, I think the blocking is still uh, some of that has survived. But yeah, that that was a really fun project. The many times I've ridden that ride, I've only been carjacked by a gangster. Never a Western <laughs> Bandit. Oh, you've never had no. the Western Bandit. I've never had the Western Bandit. Nope. Uh, what that that one's actually my fav favorite one. So, and, and again, so uh, I'll tell, give you another thing. So, um, during that scene, as we were working on the blocking, one of the things that uh, I found myself working on, which again was completely outside of my area of expertise, but um, if, if you guys uh, remember when you're uh, in that scene, the the bandit holds up a stick of dynamite and he shoots the fuse with his gun and tosses it into the bank and the bank blows up yeah so we wanted to see if we could create like a more realistic fuse uh for the dynamite and i found myself working with one of our special effects guys on trying to create a fiber optic fuse uh so when he shot it the fuse would actually kind of light up before it got tossed into the bank and um I, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't think we were ever able to get it to work just the way we wanted it to. But again, kind of talking about what we were before, it's like 
you know, I certainly am not an electrician and certainly not, you know, someone who understands fiber optics, which is what you study in physics and that kind of stuff. But right. you find yourself kind of, you know, knowing enough to be dangerous and working with the guys who really are experts with that. And um, it just makes for some really interesting partnerships and projects. So, again, you just never know. Uh what's going to come up and how you're going to need to tap into that prior knowledge. So tell us, you also had a hand in uh, Frontierland, or was that uh, Liberty, no, Liberty Square, correct? Um, not, well, okay, so, so not so much of a hand um, personally in that. One of the projects I did do was write one of the uh, earlier versions of the walking tour of the Magic Kingdom. And to do that, I had to do a lot of research uh, of all the different lands, actually. But Liberty Square, in particular, was one that I enjoyed researching because um, I actually, I, I mentioned John Hinch before, um, I actually got to do a walkthrough of the park with John um, back at the time, and he was actually one of the original Imagineers that helped design pretty much all the Magic Kingdom, but but did quite a bit of work in Liberty Square. Um, so being able to kind of, uh, again, you know, kind of walk through with him and ask him questions about why they designed this or how they designed that was pretty phenomenal. Very neat. You know, I'm backtracking here just a little bit, Brian and sure. Dave, and I do apologize. Talking about roller coasters and yeah, um, Dave, you do something in your class that I think the kids might want to hear pertaining to the math. Um, can yeah. you give us some insight, Dave? What it is that you yeah, do? Yeah. So, so uh, two years ago, I was selected by the district to write the science lesson plans for all of the fourth grade in my district. So. One of the things that we get to do is uh, we use foam insulation pipe, cut it in half so it makes kind of like a, chi- a U channel. Yeah. And we talk about we talk about uh, Newton's laws and we talk about you know how the the whole goal of the kids is they have to roll a marble down this roller coaster track and they have to go over two hills and you know the end result is that they have to measure how tall the hills are and combine the the height of the hills with where they start their marble from to get the marble to go all the way through their roller coaster track so it's things like that that like that really gets me going when it when it when it comes to the kids thinking about you know we're gonna make this one tall and this one short and just like the uh the whole engineering process of that just is a super cool thing that we do uh in the fourth grade Well, that's, you know, it's interesting because I was talking about like Expedition Everest, for example. And when I was um, talking to to my buddy, who's the engineer out there, um, he was explaining to me not only the magnetic levitation, you know, system that they use for for the coaster, but um, he was explaining how once the coaster hits a certain point and goes over a big drop at that point, it's kind of using its own force to make its way around and through the track. Right. And so it's, it's, you know, it, it, it's really fascinating when you talk about, you know, getting kids to take a marble, run it down and, um, 
you know, make it all the way over the path, over the humps and everything to the end. It's not as easy as you think. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure that the guys who eventually designed Expedition Everest and many other roller coasters out there, that's probably where they get that first spark of, you know, physics and, you know, motion and all that kind of stuff. So... Perfect. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. why we do it, because there's that one kid out there that's looking for something that's just like that to get him going. And, and you know, 20 years from now, maybe I can say I helped that kid along yeah. you know, when he's when he's designing the next Expedition Everest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So now that you're not actively engineering anymore, Brian, <laughs> what, what are you up to now? Um. Well, nowadays, I actually have a website that I began called WD With Me. And if you go to my website, um, there's a couple of things. Um, one, I have a whole bunch of social media on there. So you can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is um, WD With Me Brian. So please follow me there. Um, you can go to my Facebook page. Uh, which is official WD with me. So please check out my Facebook page and please like me because I like to be liked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have a um, YouTube page where I post, uh, I, I tried to do a lot of periscopes from the parks and the resorts. And whenever I do my periscopes, I always try to uh, do them from that former Imagineer's point of view and give you guys kind of like behind the scenes look at different areas so like one of my periscopes for example i did at the um q area for the haunted mansion and i talked about all the different tombstones and whose names were on the tombstones yeah hey, i was um, watching that one actually. yeah yeah it was a lot of fun i i've done them from uh like morocco for example and talked about the architecture i've um i've done a i probably have about gosh probably about 15 or 20 of them up there now so check out my youtube page um, and, and the other thing is that if anyone is ever interested in touring the parks with me, I offer myself up as a tour guide. Um, so if anyone's ever thinking about coming to, uh, Orlando to visit any of the parks, you can go to my website, wdwithme.com, and there's a place on there where you can book a tour, and I will take you through the parks, any of the parks, and, uh, show them to you from the point of view of a former Disney Imagineer. So that's very cool. On your site, you know, I was checking it out uh, earlier, and you have like a corporate slash education tab that you can click on. And you have some free stuff on there that's pretty cool. You have some downloadable uh, information on how to think like an Imagineer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got some brainstorming tips on there, tips for brainstorming. Um, That's something else that I do as well for corporate clients. If any of you are out there listening, if you want to bring your uh, corporate team to Orlando and do a really cool workshop, um, I do an amazing workshop on how to think like an Imagineer, and I can also like lead uh, the teams in brainstorming sessions and innovation sessions and that type of thing. So um, certainly I'll come to you as well if you want me to, but um, it's usually more fun if you guys come here. So, yeah. Have you... Did I? I can't remember if this was you. I was looking up, but did you go? You travel to schools as well, um, like elementary schools or private schools, and, and give us. Uh, uh, you're like a keynote speaker there on, on top um, of the universities. 
so yeah, I mean, those have mostly been for faculty. Um, in the past, I've given some presentations to faculty, but um, I was actually the one of the founding members of the Central Florida STEM Education Council. So um, STEM education has been something that's been very um, near and dear to my heart for a long time. Um, a few years ago, many years after Imagineering, but um, several years ago, I worked for the Florida Virtual School as an innovation specialist, and my job was to go out and find new and emerging technologies and figure out how to cross-pollinate those technologies into education. And in doing that, a lot of time, I spent a lot of time uh, with students, uh, talking to them and, and um, working with them and trying to get them um, excited about some of the really cool new technologies that we were bringing into uh, try, trying to put into their hands. So, yeah, and I'm sure you have a lot yeah. of spinoffs with new, like you just said, with new projects and things like that. Um, what kind of seeing or like what kind of growth have you seen out of the faculty or maybe students that uh, you've seen some projects spin off of this maybe with you going to these universities? Do you ever follow up and and yeah, uh, uh, a little bit. Um, you know, I, when when I was involved, uh, a lot of projects had to do with um, mobile technology, um, ha- how to use mobile devices and deliver content, edu- educational content via mobile devices, whether it was phones or pads. Um, I actually created a virtual frog dissection, which was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> nice. So no longer um, can uh, certain students decide they don't want to do it because it's... Uh, inhumane right right or gross or anything like that was and it was actually in 3d so the cool thing about it is that you could it was designed almost like a game and you could do the frog dissection just normally you know without 3d glasses but if you wanted to we we would send the students these 3d glasses and when they put them on the dissection off some became like a 3d dice dissection so that was really cool (laughs) it's Um, awesome yeah um, another really cool project I did was actually a partnership with Villanova University. And um, what I did with them was uh, there's a guy out there who had a camera that records video in 360 degrees, kind of like circle vision, right? Um, and when you watch the video, you can actually watch the video. And as you're watching it, um, and the video is playing, you can actually spin around and control it to look up and down and, you know, all the way around um, while the video is playing. So that was really cool. We did one at the uh, Gettysburg Battlefield, and we did one for, um, oh, the, uh, um, in Philadelphia, the um, Independence Hall, where, where the Declaration of Independence was signed. So... It was really cool. We did a walkthrough all the way up to the desk where the declaration was signed, and you could actually, as you're watching the video, like I said, kind of spin around and, and look around the room. So it was very cool. Virtual field trips. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah. You talked about your individual tours, you know, with uh, with a former Imagineer. So yeah. people can just contact you via your website and, and book – a tour. How much do those? They can. How much do those typically cost, Brian? Um, it's 150 bucks for three hours, and you cannot per person. Um, 
and then you can book you know additional hours if you want to as well but but that's really the base price and yeah um you can uh do that right on the website now um i actually just recently got that up and running so that people can actually book that right on the website um certainly you know if anyone has any questions they can email me either through the website or just send me an email at brian at wdwithme.com yeah and you're super fast uh i know when i contacted you uh, a little while ago i mean you responded within like probably an hour or even less actually it was it was wild so yeah i'm looking at the web page right now it looks beautiful it looks absolutely amazing um i like how you have the photo contest thing up there and yeah. uh, i love how you have your blogs and yeah. uh, you have some periscope stories on there with wilderness lodge uh yeah. Yeah, so it, it's really neat. So I encourage our listeners to go to his website. Again, that's wdwithme.com. So visit his website. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Um, I guess we're pretty much going to wrap it up. But anything else you want to tell um, our kiddos or adults that may be listening to our show? Yeah, stay in school, kids. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> stay in school. school, school. Um, you know, I wish I had two awesome teachers like you guys when I was in school. Um, you know, I, I had, you know, the boring old teachers, and I still wound up being an Imagineers. So, uh, hey, we do know. what we can to keep them entertained. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just like I said, find your passion, focus on it, and you're going to do fine. And whether you become an Imagineer or anything else, um, you know, j- just find what you love to do. There's an old saying that says, if you love your job, you're never going to work a day in your life. And, um, you know, uh, for, for older kids, um, especially like if there's anyone in college, I will say that WDI has an internship program that you can apply for. And, um, you know, so you can Google, Google information for that. Um, but, you know, certainly look into, uh, maybe doing internships if you're really interested in, in that. Very competitive and tough to get into, but if you do, it, it's a wonderful experience and um you know it was I, I just feel very lucky and very um blessed and honored to have been able to have been a part of um you know wdi uh, for the short time i was so yeah we really appreciate so, you coming on and talking to us we really appreciate you coming on and talking to us brian it's been it's been awesome and and just so cool to hear your perspective of how things went as far as your career and you know the words that you have advice that you give to to kids all around yeah well thank you very much i you know sometime love to come back and, and talk some more right, hey, right. anytime you want anytime <laughs> and if you guys ever make it to orlando you know look me up i'll, I'll take you into the park and show you around Outstanding. Yeah, I'm trying to convince my wife, Brian, to move down there as we speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. So parents and students, for those of you that question your teachers, you know, when am I going to uh, use this information that you're trying to shove down my brain? Uh, you heard it first with the former Imagineer, Brian Collins. You can find him on Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, Periscope. Do you have an Instagram account? I do not have Instagram. You got to get um, one. I, you know, I've got a Pinterest. So when I was, I'll, I'll tell you a little funny story, okay? So sometimes Imagineers don't always get it right either. When I first was putting together all my different social media accounts, um, 
I didn't really understand the difference between Pinterest and Instagram. And so I created a Pinterest account. And now I'm looking at that thinking I probably should have done Instagram because Pinterest isn't really what I was thought it was um, for me. So you might be seeing an Instagram account sooner than later. Yeah, you picked the wrong one, buddy. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I know, I know. Hey, even Imagineers make mistakes sometimes, Dave. You know. Like, like putting Frozen in Norway, you know? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but but there are some great pictures on there, you know, but but you're not going to learn how to uh, frost a cupcake or, you know, write a script or something on, <laughs> on my Pinterest account. You're just, you're just going to see some pretty pictures, so nice. you can check it out. Thank you so much for coming on our show. I just want to give you a special thanks. And a round of applause. I also want to thank Josh Van for listening. Josh, thanks for listening to all of our podcasts and being so supportive. Uh, Jeremy in Colorado, thanks, brother, for listening. Mario, right inside the Magic That's right. Mario, right inside the Magic Kingdom. That's right. Mario. See him on your next vacation, right inside the Magic Kingdom. Outstanding person. Vicky, thanks for listening. I know you've listened since the very beginning. Give us great feedback. Keep that coming. And my dad, if you're still listening, God bless you. Uh, <laughs> thanks again for listening. Big shout out to all the dads. I mean, you heard me talking about mine. Yeah, definitely. Got to give the dads a shout out. Thank you for listening to the podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Nick and Dave Mousecapades podcast. Again, thanks, Brian, for coming on our show. Have a magical day. Peace. Take care, guys. You've been listening to the all-new Mousecapades podcast, brought to you by our friends at themagicalmouse.com. Be our guest, put our service to the test. If you have questions, comments, or would like to be a guest on the show, please visit our website at mousecapadespodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. And have a magical day.